0: This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing, and this episode's Inked Marketing crowdfunded comic of the episode (laughs) goes to the listener. Live now, let's begin with the death of a man. Always a good way to tell a story. He's a quiet man, but when he spoke, people listened. It was always worth it. He talked about being a Native American soldier in World War II frequently, and the hardships that came with it. Uh, There was no regret in his stories. There was, however, horror in his words. These stories had been wrapped up in a supernatural twist, and the listener was born... Come see the Kickstarter sensation that is now on Indiegogo. Yes, once a Kickstarter book, now on Indiegogo, just tearing things up. So just go to indiegogo.com and search The Listener. Uh, another crowdfunded comic, proudly brought to me by Inked Marketing to bring to you. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSC Live TV.com. That's No Signal Comics nsclivetv.com Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of nsclivetv.com No Signal Comics The best in auction action This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 275. The 275th episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast is, in fact, a creator corner, and the creator that I cornered on this here episode is R. (laughs) Ha ha, look at me, changing the vernacular up, because I got a twofer here. I've got the creators behind the book, Damn Cursed Children. I have none other than Howard Wong and Josh Stafford, the two minds behind the, uh, the the story that is Damn Cursed Children. And I tell you what, this book, it's it's coming out this week as this episode comes up, so I hope it's on your pull list, and uh, um, if this, uh, you know, the, the timing worked out great, because I'm, I'm really hoping that if it wasn't on your pull list and you have the opportunity to pick it up, this episode sways you just a little bit more because these fellers are spectacular. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I I was this this one was just a lot of fun. I don't often do uh, double interviews, but you know when they're it's, uh, I don't know they just this one was fun. Um, it stood out. It stood out. So let's uh let's let's get on with the show, man. I give you the creators from the Source Point press book soon-to-be sensation title, Damn Cursed Children, Howard Wong and Josh Stafford. Alright. Howard Wong, Josh Stafford. We got a two for here. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Hello. I'm doing pretty good. Awesome.
0: Awesome. I'm pumped. Uh, I, I don't often get to interview two creators at the same time. But I, I uh, it, it keeps me on my toes, that's for damn sure. And I get to see both sides of this, uh, the, the, the book. At the, you know, I, we, well, we get to hear about both sides of the book, not just one side. And then later on, we'll hear about the other side. We, we, we potentially get some uh, get, get some good stuff out of these duo interviews. So let's uh, let's let's do this, man. I'm. More than excited, you guys got have a book together coming out called "Damn Cursed Children," and we're gonna get all to that. But first, we have to know about the brains behind the madness. Um, let's uh, let's let's start a little bit with uh, you, Howard. The uh, the when? At what point in time were comics really just uh, uh, well? What, when did you discover them? Let's put it that way.
1: I discovered them actually when I was really young, like anybody else. Okay. Uh, I, I have cousins and other family members who are older than I. And so I would uh, see the comics, but were never allowed to touch them mm-hmm. as a younger kid. <laughs> I was probably a snotty-nosed toddler back then. Mm-hmm. So my first uh, purchase was a sneaky purchase because back in the day, Scholastic would send forms, they still do, uh, to schools for kids to order books. But at uh, this particular time, I think it was in grade three, uh, they had a Tarzan comic available. And I was really? like, this is not a book. This is a comic. So I sort of swindled my way through my mom to get a, get the check and go, I'm going to buy a book. He's like, good. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then it came <laughs> and she's like, is that the book you got? I'm like, this is the book I got. Yep. And, this, and obviously it was a comic book. So my first purchase as a kid uh, was a Tarzan comic book, which I honestly can't remember who did it or what did it. I remember reading it to the point where the covers fell off. It was definitely a Marvel book, which was interesting because That's... you can sort of trace it back. Uh, yeah, it was it was crazy because as a kid, you're not allowed to see certain things and watch certain things. And this particular story, you see him with a dagger and he actually kills somebody. <laughs> so it's sort of like, this is something I bought from Scholastic. This is awesome. So yeah, after cool. that...
0: That, that's yeah, that's so, a great introduction. That's not one I hear often. You know, I, more often than not, it's oh yeah, I snuck into my uncle's room and I found his or, you know his X Men collection or something like that. But to I gotta say, this is a this is a first uh, a comic coming through Scholastic. I mean, that's that's unheard of. And then Tarzan but, at that. That's I yeah, love that. I mean, it, it's,
1: it's it's like a perfect synergy of things where my mom's gotta buy a book, <laughs> buying that instead. And after that, I sort of you know. I got older and got to the part where I was riding bikes with my friends to the corner store because that's all we could do where I lived because there was nothing else around us but open fields. And uh, I was skinny and small enough that I could actually hide behind the spinner rack and read like, for almost an hour before the owner would get pissed off and find me there.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: out <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was, it was kind like sort of like a weekly adventure. It's like, how long can we last before he finds out? <laughs> so you go there enough times during the month, you can technically read a whole issue without getting caught. Uh, or so. And uh, did I buy anything? Yes. My first self purchase with my allowance money was a uh, Captain America comic. Can't remember what issue number it is. I think I still have it somewhere in my basement. But it was the one where Blue Streak did. Uh, they did. They redid his outfit. So instead of uh, he was like on roller. it's I swear to God, on roller. He used to be on roller skates, but now he's like in roller blades with jet engines and a uh, uh, gas mask and stuff. And the reason why I picked it up, because when I was flipping through it as a kid, somebody got shot to death in it, supposedly. You, you don't know when, the next, you know, if you got the next issue, then there'll be something different, right? But right. it just it just stuck with me. I'm like, what the hell did I just look at? <laughs> somebody just got riddled with bullets. So like, this is really like different. So I picked it up, and I was like studying the art and the story and stuff like that. I mean, back then, I didn't know that you had to buy a bunch of issues to get a story arc during that time. Because mm-hmm. no one, I was like, by that time I was an only child till my brother was born my brother was like way younger than me so i was learning on the go and then image came along and then that's when i started buying like seriously by collecting comics and going backwards and buying things from image to, uh, back to like mirage's tmnt and so mm. forth like basically you know once you dive into ra- once you jump in the rabbit hole you don't come out and then right. the more the more you learn the more you pick up um and that's where i where we stand so that's tarzan comic led me all the way now i mean i'm like introducing my kids to comic books and stuff and so forth so bit of a journey but started with scholastic of all of all places
0: i i, I love it man uh, that's that's uh quite the origin story for sure i love i love an original origin story that, that that's that's amazing tarzan leading to all of that uh i, I could just talk for another hour just about that that alone. But um I, I feel it's only fair that we uh bring Josh into the mix here, man. What what about you, brother? When did you find uh comics into your life?
2: So my first ever comic, I was 4 years old and my dad brought me back a Fantastic 4 comic book. And it's funny cuz Howard and I were on a different podcast talking about this and I cheated and I and I googled Fantastic 4 purple monsters snow cover. And it actually led me to Fantastic 4 212. And that was my first comic. And it's just one of those great, like, like Howard was saying, like, you know, you, when you're a kid, you don't realize that there's like story arcs and stuff. So that was my first book with 212 on the cover, which now is up to what, like 600 or yes. 700 or something, something insane. So and I never stopped. And I've been reading comics my whole life. Um, you know, I don't consider myself a collector because I just read and read and read. And as I got older, I still read superhero stuff, but genres might change and creators I follow might change, but I'm never going to stop. And like when, when I was a kid in the mid eighties, late eighties, it was really this heyday of, I was reading stuff. I was way too young to read like, like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, mm. stuff like Vigilante, crazy stuff like that. Stuff I was buying was a little bit, even when I was a kid, a little bit more off the beaten path. Cause I loved Atari force. Captain Carrot. Uh, for some reason, I love Dazzler. Instead of buying Uncanny X Men, I'd be buying a Dazzler comic huh. that month. And yeah, and I just it never stopped. And I've always read comics. And now that I've written a handful of them, it's really this kind of little nerd dream come true. That you know, it it never gets old when you are holding a comic book that you worked on in your hand. It's always cool. So that this project that Howard and I have worked on. For a very long time, is finally coming out this month is uh, is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be exciting, man. You
0: know, going back to four years old, and here you are now, a grown man, and you get to hold your own work that you and yeah. someone else that you've 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 entrusted to. Uh, that that's that's an incredible. I couldn't imagine that feeling. I do that. This is part of the reason I do this podcast is because not only am i fascinated with comic book creators and the uh what it takes to do that for the the the, the very small gain that comes from it i mean it really is a thing of love it, it's it's it, out of pure honesty it's envy man i i i live vicariously through you guys i've always wanted to create something like that i'm not a creative person i'm just good at talking to creative people so this is why why i do this it's so i can have that that, that excitement that that you guys uh get to actually fulfill this book coming out through SourcePoint, too man I mean this is uh this is exciting stuff you guys found a great great publisher to put this out through so this is ah uh, and it, I'm excited for you let's put it that way uh, in case you can't tell um <laughs> let's uh well we, we, we covered the when and the, the the what for the most part you know we've got uh, Tarzan and dazzler and some of the obscure indie comics i love this man i love this because i think it's the indies that really um take people down the, the well like you guys mentioned it the rabbit hole you know you can you can read all the x-men and batman that you want but when you find the 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 stuff off the beaten path i think that's that's when comics really start to show their uh, true potential and that gives me a lot of Faith in your guys is creative, you know, knowing that that's what you guys follow as well. So, um, let, let's let's talk about breaking in, man. I mean, you decided that you wanna you wanna do this. You've been inspired, um, uh, H- Howard. What what's your uh what what's your what's your story? When, how did you get involved professionally into this industry?
1: Uh, having a conversation with my wife, to be honest. No shit. <laughs> sounds, yes. Yes. Uh, I used to well, as as I mentioned, I was collecting comics and reading them and stuff like that. But when I was getting married, I decided not to do that because you know mortgage and car loans. <laughs> well, there's no you know, money the, in
0: comics. That's, that's... right. It's,
1: yeah, exactly. I actually I actually try to get out. To be honest, I actually sold stuff during that time. I'm still friends with the owner of the shop. He, like thank God the shop's still around. And even sold and a lot of people like kill me for this. I sold some of my original Star Wars stuff like toys, meaning. Uh, they're have time just to get out and then go, okay, I'm done. I'm going to move on and be an adult and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And yes, was I, was my, the little guy in me crying? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I was actually, I didn't realize I was miserable. I mean, I was, the corporate job was really good at it. And, you know, money was okay. And you didn't have to worry about too much stuff. But then my wife noticed I wasn't too happy, you know. You can sort of tell. It's like that drone feeling like I'm at work and I'm at home. Now the TV's going to be on because it's, it's time for the news. And, you mm-hmm. know, the whole bit, right? But you're not, like, ecstatically happy or excited about anything. So she asked me what I did for fun before we got hitched and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, like, I never told you, but I actually collected comics and sort of tried to write them and stuff. And she told me to get back to doing that. That's awesome. Which also helped me get, get her into it, too, because she was a manga reader. So it was sort of that okay, this is what I'm into. I know what you're into. Can read that same stuff too? You know? And then she asked me a, a question of how come in comic books, unlike manga, when people get punched in the face the next day, it's not swelled up for like a good month or two in the story arc because Batman's human. Yeah. he get, if he gets whacked in the face, he's at a meeting totally fine. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And people don't die. I'm like, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> and it got <laughs> me thinking. So I started const- uh, constructing a story, um, which became after the Cape at Image Comics. That's when first, where I got first published. Um, I basically wrote it for her and made it so that the characters were like very grounded. There wasn't fantastical stuff, with superhero stuff and whatnot. But thing is, he wouldn't be like a Superman character where he'd be like, I can go to you know go to school, save people, get perfect, you know get a job, do the whole bit. Even Peter Parker, though, with all his quirks and troubles and uh, things that he gets into, he has a job. He has a girlfriend slash wife depending on how which story you can right. follow, and yet he can still be a superhero and everything is balanced. In reality, nothing is balanced. Mm. Everything's imbalanced, right? You got to choose one over the other. You know, it's. I mean, when people ask uh, how you construct a story that makes sense, it's like simple enough. When you go buy a coffee, you don't buy every single size. That's impossible. You can't do that, but it doesn't make sense, now does it? You buy one size. That's it you have to make a choice. But that choice is actually an illusion because you're giving up the other two choices. You know, small, medium, large, what have you. I don't mm-hmm. care which coffee place you go to. So you treat it like that. And that's what I did. And I pitched it to uh, Image. Uh, and honestly, not to get it done. I pitched it to see where I was. Okay. Uh, at, this time, th- at this time, I went through a couple of artists. Some flakes. some took money, you know, left the planet, what have you. And, um... I left it, ended with Marco Rudy because he wanted to draw it. I said, I'm giving up the art for now because I've been messed around a bit and I just don't want to do it. I'm going to pitch the, you know, the, the, act, you know, what I have to plot and the script to, uh, to image to see if you're interested enough for me to go ahead and go look for an artist again. But he kept in drawing and sent me sending me samples. So I used those samples in the pitch and got greenlit. And it freaked me out because I was greenlit when my first child was born at this roughly the same time oh, the same okay
0: week. yeah geez so,
1: yeah so i was like okay do i do this do i go for go, i go for broke and do it or do i say nah next time which is you know the easy thing to is do. A, yeah we, maybe there isn't a ne- next time so i decided to go for it and see you know how much can a human body sustain without sleep which i found <laughs> out which is quite a bit
0: <laughs> yep yeah you know you'd be surprised when you really really love and want something man the 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 the, the the mind is a powerful thing. It's much more powerful than the body. That's for damn sure. And you know, yeah. having to raise a kid and your first love comics, that's yeah.
1: I know. I know you guys guys can't see this, but this is like the f- the first trade, and you'll notice it's going to be something interesting. The reason why I'm sh- I, I have it behind me is because I had talking to some other people was the fact that it was a superhero comic that was done black and white. Mm. Ah. So because because the story was very sad and. Depressing, I guess, for some, for the when I pitched it because it was sort of superheroes retired because he couldn't handle being a hero and skating school. So we fast forward in his life. He's married, has two kids living in the shittiest part of town, and he becomes alcoholic because he's depressed. His wife is working two to three jobs, but when he looks back at his life. He used to be revered statues and whatnot of him and people, you know, it's like, you know, being the perfect hero, but then where's the reward for it? He can't. He can't even get his kids out of poverty, so mm-hmm. you know he makes bad, cho- make worse choices down the road, and we see how it unfolds. So basically, you see his life fall apart, uh, which is you know pretty sad and depressing. But it's almost like the reality of if if you had powers and you made that choice and you can't tell anyone that's you doing it, where did where, where does that go? Um, and that's how I got in. Uh, I broke in with that. Did a second mini series. Then I started doing anthologies and stuff like that because I started getting work in mobile games. Okay. And then, and I started. This, I at that point I was deciding should I stay in comics or should I leave because the money's not too bad in video games. So I did decide to leave a few times. And friends never let me leave. Comic people never, <laughs> never ever, ever ever let you leave. So it's like I have an anthology. You want to be part of it? I'm like, sure. It's only like two pages. I'm like sure, and then they will be end up being five <laughs> and whatnot, <laughs> just they bring me to keep me in there. So I was technically doing comic books, but not full time because I was working full time in mobile games, also in toys as well. Um, I did stuff for like Bandai and 3 sort of for stories and stuff like that. And I don't know, it was kind of weird. And I came back into comic books uh, here and there with uh, the Iron Man comic book I did for Marvel and uh, Hong Kong Disneyland. And I was sort of like, when I was asked, did you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, I do. I don't know if, I, if I if I should, but I can. <laughs> I do I want it? I don't know if I should do this, but I'll do it. Um, but sort of that, yes, but isn't there better people than me? Because I'm pretty sure I know them. There's friends who are like, yeah, we like you doing it. Okay. If you think I should do it, I'm gonna do it. It was like that self-deprecating, you know, moment of,
0: you know, I don't know. Oh yeah, well yeah, you're 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 questioning your worthiness. I I, I can imagine. Oh, I think I lost your audio for a second. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Right on.
2: Are we better? Oh no.
0: all so, good. Yes. all good.
1: yeah. so that then from there, um, I decided to try to get back into comic books in like full time in a way. And then that's when I started seriously pitching stuff. and then Amkerst's children was was funny enough because, People loved it. A lot of publishers loved it. Editors that I remember, that I talked to loved it, but didn't want to publish it because it wasn't in the real, their wheelhouse of things that they want to publish, which is understandable. Um, how I ended up at SourcePoint Press, which uh, well, is just, it's just funny because I was at a party after convention, wasn't going to pitch anything, was there actually for dinner to hang out with friends. And that friend, uh, Keith Croucher, was like, You got to meet Travis. And I was like, This is like before I, Took my first bite of food, and this is like after like mm-hmm. I think an eight-hour convention day. And it was like, "Sure, I don't need to eat. Let's do this." <laughs> and I met Travis, and then you know, I didn't know anything about Brand Press uh, during that time, to be honest. So I asked him a lot of really weird questions, like you shouldn't ask a publisher to make them want to work with you, because sort of like, "So what do you guys do? What do you publish?" And you know, and mm. it went through the, all the business conversation stuff, and I found that we we had we actually had a lot in common, which was great. And then he asked if I had anything to pl- uh, to pitch, and I said no because I'm here to eat dinner and hang out. I wasn't prepared to pitch, um, That's why I'm wearing sandals, shorts, and a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, you know, it's definitely not <laughs> pitching pitching gear and you know and, and mindset. You no, know, I'm like, well, I do have things that people didn't want. Want to hear those? And I said that honestly as a joke, and I and I didn't pitch damn Chris Children to him. I literally told him why people didn't want to publish it because they're afraid of the content. Because we have monster children uh, in the story and adults doing nasty things to them, and I, you know, you know, I said publisher X was afraid because of this scene and that scene, and, and I was like describing basically every reason why for him not to publish Dankerous children. Travis mm-hmm. stared at me and was like, "Fuck it, we'll do it."
0: <laughs> <laughs> no shit, just like that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm like, are you serious? Wait. No, are you serious? Because this we're the bar, so I kind of you know I I'm totally cool. If this is just a joke. I'm totally fine, but it was true because I sat, met him the next day and at his booth and watched the. Honestly, I watched his uh, the creators there, selling books and talking to people not just about their own book. This is why I liked working. Why I wanted to work with Source Crime Press, they were selling and talking about other creators' books who weren't even there at the convention. Mm. So, they may not have sold their own series at all, but they sold the other person's series, who was not even physically there. So, I was like, wow, you guys, like, help each other out. Because there's a lot of times where you work for publishers where you only focus on your book. And not saying you're being mean, but you don't really sell other people's books because you don't get any benefit from it, right? Yep. So, seeing them do that, I was like, okay. So, you guys are not, like, like, staff writers. Like, no, 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 we're like you. We're just, you know, our own our own, our own stuff. So, I was... Impressed by that, had a talk with Travis. It was real. Sent him the files, he liked the art. And I messaged Josh and uh, Robin Simon Ng, who's the artist for our book, that I finally found a publisher after having so many wicked responses of saying, it's amazing, but no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) This side, we have, it's amazing, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where we started with Friends Press, and that's where I am with my comic career so far that i can talk about there's other things that i'm working on that i can't talk about yet hmm. uh unfortunately uh, but uh josh josh's uh history of Kanye books and being published is interesting as well as how that led to animation so
0: well i would love to hear all about this josh i mean let's 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 hear it from you man uh but let's what was your breaking in point how does this story go
2: so I went to an arts high school um, followed by film school. So two things was w- which had a lot of thumbprints in comic books for sure because mm-hmm. screenplays are are depending on who how you write them because there's every all kinds of different methods. but I think the 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 way that most people write the way that I write is is a screenplay essentially it, it has you know interior apartment day and dialogue and descriptive for you know, either your actors or your artists or whatever. So so I went to art school and film school and worked on a number of short films of my own and worked on other projects as a crew member and stuff like that. Uh, then I worked on a short film, or I, I directed and wrote a short film that got into the Comic-Con uh, Film Festival, the San Diego Comic-Con Film Festival. Really? So I i knew a friend of mine was going uh named tom fowler who i believe at the time he was working on mad magazine and since then he's worked on everything uh he just finished up a run on some sandman stuff he's done quantum and woody for vertigo he's done star wars he's done green arrow he's done all kinds of stuff so he was going and at the 11th hour i was like i just got into this film festival can i sleep on your floor and he was like sure so lo and behold I go to this festival and meet Howard and then a decade later we have damn Chris children, but at that festival, Howard was a, was a young up and coming writer himself. So he needed a place to stay. So, and I didn't realize at the time that Howard was kind of new friends with this group as well. I thought he had known them for a while. So we were this group all coming together and experienced the insanity that is San Diego comic-con. So I did that and I've continued to work on a few films then uh, it's all, you know, it's all luck and nepotism and being a good person (laughs) and having good friends. Like, there's a little bit of skill involved, but it really is this, like, domino effect of who you know and uh, taking advantage of certain things. So a friend of ours here in town was starting up to do some independent uh, um, comic books here in Ottawa. And I just randomly was joking around with them and ended up talking... About zombies, which are zombie monkeys, mm-hmm. and it was just some dumb thing two nerds were talking about. And he said, "That's funny. That's a good idea." So I put together a script for him. He found me an artist. He, this publisher, put it all together because I didn't know where to find a letterer and all this other kind of stuff. So, cut to a few years later, I now have three issues of Zomkies. They're all self-contained, uh, kind of like a series of one-shots. They're a little hard to find at the moment because the publisher's just going through some reworkings, but I'm working on a fourth issue of that. And that led to meeting some folks. So uh, I've done a couple of little anthology stories, one of which uh, for a guy named Jack Briglio, who's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, Howard worked with them on a book called True Patriot. And I just, as we speak, like you can get it on Amazon or bookstores or wherever, whatever, uh, an anthology called flip volume two. And it's, uh, like a, what if book, it's like an alternate history kind of book. So I have a story in there. When you say an and, alternate
0: history, I mean, we're taking, uh, just, uh, historical us events
2: in that matter. And or flipping... bigger, I th- it all depends because I think some are, they're like kind of sliding door stories. So mine's kind of a big sci-fi thing, but others are, I think there's like romantic ones in there or kind of more goofy ones but yeah like that kind of thing where it's like what if this event happened uh in our present time and they call it flip because that's kind of the gimmick in the story then flip we go to an alternate universe so gotcha uh, i dig it man it's really good it's really cool uh that's out right now and so i'm in this weird nerd position now where where when i was a kid I never really aspired to be a comic creator when I grew up. I thought I would be in film or maybe in animation or something like that. And just you know, life never plans out the way you no. you think it's gonna be. So now I my day job is I'm co-owner of a of a independent cinema here in Ottawa called the Mayfair. That's it's awesome. It's a 1932 independent cinema has always been independent. Uh, sadly, like the rest of the world, we're on lockdown at the moment, but we're hanging in there. We'll be back in a month hopefully or sooner depending on how things go and so i'm still in the world of film and a, and never say never i might go and do some more projects of my own of uh, directing and writing but I, I really love just writing in comics right now and i also stumbled into writing an episode of dc superhero girls because a couple of friends of mine work on that show auto is a really big animation town there's half a dozen big uh studios that work on everything from Disney stuff. Um there's a really good show on Netflix right now called Hilda that's done here in town. Final Space. All kinds of stuff. But so they were working on this D C show and I just jokingly, a hundred percent jokingly said to them, Oh, if you ever need any ideas, I have read a lot of D C comic books and then they needed some ideas. So we just were chatting casually and they showed me how to do pitches for them and I did a dozen and one snuck through. And so now you can go on uh, YouTube and it's called hashtag flash forward, flashback. And it's a little three minute, uh, flash cartoon. And, and really, you know, with, with no disrespect to any other project I work on in my life, it's all downhill after that. Like if hmm. you would have told five-year-old me that I got to write a flash cartoon, it's like, yeah, that's it. And, and then, And it's funny because like when I doing damn cursed children, it started as not even a joke. It's just, you know, the way a casual conversation and Howard was really sick because of his kids. And I tease my friends who have kids because kids are germ machines. Mm -hmm. And I just said the random thing. I was like, ah, damn cursed children. And a light bulb went over Howard's comic writing head. And he was like, that sounds like a good title for a comic book. And then cut to a bunch of years later, and we have a comic book. <laughs> so it's that easy. That's all you got to do. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, I, I, uh, <laughs>
0: nothing. Nothing to it. Uh, no. This is this is awesome, man. Um, so uh, how does how does this snowball take effect from here? I mean, the light bulb goes off. Now you you've known each other for years at this point. Um, uh, this would be your first time actually working together
1: yes, definitely yes. um yeah, yeah it's it's really weird because how we met and how we're what, what we're doing now it's like totally like the temple not temple, but it's like totally a totally comic book nerd story <laughs> yes, because he mentioned that I was staying with his friends at San Diego con many, many moons ago. And the thing was I had uh, an issue with where I was staying before, and I met uh Attila Ardo Janet, who was one of the roommates who was staying with they- he went to date, a nice condo um and I met him like the week of San Diego comic-con like days before flight so I bumped on t- I bumped into him and Tom Fowler on the street it's like how's it going I'm like uh, I'm walking the street because I can't get into my room it's like it's two in the morning yeah yeah <laughs> 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 kind of sucks so the, the next day he asked if I wanted to stay with him they're all from Toronto so it's sort of that okay you know we know where you which city you live in and you know we know you're kind of like, Nice guy, you know, Taylor had a nice time, time conversation with you, you know, a couple of nights ago. I'm like, sure. And there was a two, it was a uh, two two bedrooms and a sofa, so I thought I was going to get the sofa. Mm. But I was not allowed to touch the sofa because somebody was going to take it, which was <laughs> Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, so where I'm going to sleep because you said I have a room, I have my bags here. I pull everybody that I'm leaving, I'm gone. But right now, I haven't been leaving on the street in a minute, so... A walk-in closet i'm like no seriously where am i gonna sleep it's like the walk-in closet I'm like you're serious <laughs>
0: so oh shit
1: i was sleeping in the walk-in closet i am. i kid you not so i had like a bed sheet on the ground and a pillow ca- and a pillow and a blanket and my suitcase next to me seriously that's how i did say yoga comic-con and i was actually there uh with image uh you know pitch- selling i mean after the cape and stuff and signing books but people didn't see people always thought i was joking like you're sleeping in a walk-in closet like yeah, like the room is small. No, I'm literally sleeping in the walk-in closet of the room with one of the guys <laughs> <laughs> this place. But this was like the best place too. Um, the day before I met Josh, no one told me that our living room window was steered right into the Starbucks next to it. <laughs> so like people would be lining up at the Starbucks and there's tables there. And I was in my boxers because it's just all dudes. I'm like, hey, that's Starbucks. I'm in my undies. I'm. <laughs> oh, pants. man. So, uh, got pants on and stuff. But it was really cool because I got to wave hi to a lot of creators who were having coffee there. It was the most bizarre, like, mini Senio Comic Con without the line saying, hey, this is Rod Liefeld sketching and drinking coffee. Oh, and shit. I'm here going to make my cheap-ass, you know, instant coffee here. <laughs> so, stuff like that was fun. And then, Josh showed up. Uh, I took the couch. He came in with this giant it was black. I'm wearing a backpack now. It's a giant ass uh, nerd backpack. It was huge. Like, you know, most backpacks are about, you know, a foot, you know, in, in width, you know, the thickness. But it was like three times that. And I was mm. like, Jesus, that's a big backpack. Is all your clothes? No, it's just comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, cool. He
0: all right. brought a short box with him.
1: Oh my God. But then The funny thing was he asked me, "It's like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Howard. It's like, what do you do? Oh, I wrote this stupid book called After the Cape. Drops his bag and just fill it, you know, starts, you know, filtering his, you know, going through his stuff in his bag. And he pulled out the first issue, after, after the Kate. I mean, this one. I'm like, yeah. Why the hell do you have that? <laughs> it's like I bought it before I came over to read. It's pretty cool. You sign it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a good origin
2: man. story. Like, what's the chances that? And I just bought that. Like, I bought it. You know, flipping through preview, saw it, thought it looked cool, and then whatever. A few months later. I was reading it on the plane ride to San Diego, and then I'm roommates with the guy that I just read on the plane. It's yeah, it, it, so, it's 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 truth stranger than fiction. A lot of this. That's how we met, and
1: our relationship was has been every time. Like, San Diego, we can talk about San Diego Comic Con like forever that that year because <laughs> it went everywhere from me ditching him for lunch and him hanging out with Simon Beasley <laughs> uh, to. What else, what else happened that year? Rosario Sorry. Dawson? Right. I had a photo of Rosario Dawson because I walked up and helped someone else take a photo. And then I asked if I could have one too before security kicked me out. But that was really <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> this is a, we have a lot of stories of that year. There's a lot of weird shit that happened that year. But every time we were in any convention together, um, there's always weird stuff that happens. Like it's crazy. Like really nerd stories. Like you, you touched. Uh, Guillermo Del Toro. <laughs>
2: like you, he left yeah, my table. He left be my table. With like he left my table. I saw him to walking, go for a, a yeah. lunch.
1: Yeah, but but you saw him, right? Like, he left my table, but he came back a ten minutes later. I'm like, that was a quick lunch. But then he told me why. And your story was, that I uh, Gil, he you know, del yeah, he's like, the Whoa.
2: nicest guy in the world. He's one of us, and I just saw him walking, and I was sitting beside Howard, and I was like, I'll be right back, and I jumped over the table to go and say hello to mr del toro and he was just you know the best he he i I said uh excuse me mr del toro and he turned to me and he's like a foot shorter than i am and he was like (laughs) he put his arms in the air and he was like yes my friend Wow. and we chatted about comics for 10 or 15 minutes and Mm -hmm. he was very nice and then i was like okay well i'll I'll let you go i'll let you continue along your way and he was just there like he wasn't on a panel he wasn't doing it like he he lives in toronto some of the time so he was just there as a nerd with a big bag full of stuff buying books and chatting with people just walking around and yeah ne- never be afraid to go out go up and chat with a famous nerd at a con because i've i've had very good luck most of them are very very nice <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, so, I mean, they, you, know. you would like to think that they're one
0: of us. I mean, especially if they're there not on a panel, you would like to think that they'd yeah. be open to that type of uh, interaction for sure. I've definitely had some positive ones for sure. I mean, I, I'm uh, i I'm, I'm, loving these stories right now, man. I, the Comic-Con stories are my favorite. So, I mean, <laughs> this is... And then to know that out of all this, this isn't just you know, these are my favorite things that happened at Comic-Con. This is your guys' origin story. This is damn cursed children's origin story so this is this is incredible man um now let's let's talk more about the book itself yeah i mean what 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 is the the premise of this book let's let's hear the pitch
1: josh you wanted to start that one up
2: sure so our story starts out with a a daycare teacher looking over her her students she hears something weird outside opens up the window And just witnesses pure chaos she sees small children running around attacking people a a car crashes into a tree with a kid leaping over the seat and attacking his father so that is strange and then she looks back over her shoulder and what was 20 sleeping children are now 20 terrifying creepy little children staring at her Mm -hmm. and That's where we open. And something I learned in film school that always is in my head is that you got to grab them quick, grab them by page three. So by page three, we just leap straight into that action. And then what follows is over the next few issues is a bunch of strangers being put together during this strange, chaotic event. And we see a day in the life of how this affects them when every child in their city goes crazy for no explicable reason. I love
1: it's, it. It's Yeah. So that's really about what Democrats' Children's is focused on. I mean, a lot of people always ask, is this a survivor story? I'm like, well, yes and no. It's not really focused on the surviving part. It's more of the, if you get dropped or get surrounded by an incredibly impossible situation instantly, how do you react? How does the human consciousness react to that? And... We made a point to choose characters and develop characters that weren't the perfect, you know, group of people that you see in films and and especially B-movies. Where it's like, this is going to be a scientist or a medical person. This is going to be a, you know, a special op person. This is going to be a person who you know how to do anything about mechanics. They can drive and repair any car anything you want or make something for you and so forth. So we basically chose people that technically usually, it sounds going to sound weird, usually die (laughs) in those kind of films. Um, because. let's you know, to be frank we are those people like I I am not a medical specialist or military specialist or you know anything mechanical forget it so am I just going to just keel over and just okay I am done I'm not I don't have any skills I'm going to just lie here and let my you know let, let let them kill me and eat me no I'm not right the first thing you're going to do is like first freak out which is what happens you know normally so When we talked about that aspect of uh, the psyche of the characters, that's where the the idea came from, the genesis, is we're going to focus on everyday regular characters, drop them in this crazy situation where uh, all these kids around them have become feral and they're eating and attacking people for no reason whatsoever. And you have to figure out what to do at that point. So we took it from there and then we kept on expanding it into a five-issue arc. Hmm. Um, but we didn't want, we didn't want to go too far. We didn't want to go, okay, this is like a month later, two months later. We basically treat it as though the first five issues is like the first, like you can try, treat it most like the first five hours if you want, uh, okay. of, of, of what's going on because we that initial, what the hell, what do we do now? We've got to do something. That's the, that, that's what we, that's what we loved about it. And I think it's the you're... most
0: interesting part in those types of uh, uh, movies, you know, zombie movies and things like that, is just the initial, you know, uh, reaction to that the, the type of change. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's really important. I. I... It's awesome that you focus on that because I do find that really important. In, to, as far as the rest of the, the story goes, as to how that character would initially react in that situation. Not every single person out there is going to immediately go and pull out the machete that they have hiding behind their refrigerator because in case kids start attacking us. No, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, you got to look at things in a realistic type of situation. So you definitely have my uh, my intrigue when you when you you mentioned that that's the the, the focus of the
1: story for sure yeah uh. i mean it's it's i guess it sort of harkens back to what but both josh and i read growing up like you know i mentioned why i I, picked, I collected image and stuff like that the first image book i attracted me was spawn which mm-hmm. is not really a superhero book i mean it is but it's not i know it's kind of weird to say that but it, it really isn't right and the next and then you know you get the other stuff but then the one that really got my attention and i, I actually have Almost all the single issues, but I, I missed out a lot on a bunch in the last I think fifty, or so or less, less than fifty. And I'm bringing the trades was the max, which I can see in mm. the back of your wall there. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, the uh, max is my shit, man.
1: Yeah, well, I also have the uh, the movie on VHS, uh, uh, yeah, which I which I picked up from Blockbuster when they went belly up. I I have to have this. I, I know I probably would never watch it. Because I don't have a VHS. You know, the VHS is going to die one day, but I'm going to have this. So no, that's, that's do. a
0: piece of art history right there is the max on
1: VHS for sure. Exactly. Um, and they did a grazing job with it, you know, with animation because it's, you cannot do that live action back then. Even now, I don't think you can do it right. The thing is people who don't know what the max is about and you try to wow. explain it, it's difficult to make it sound Cool in the sense that you want to read it so that you have to go through the next 50 issues for you to really understand what the hell is going on. And then you, then everything you read beforehand all falls into place. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of that aspect, too, where I'm like, you know what? They never explain what, you know, the first 10 issues of of the Max, what the hell really is going on. (laughs) But you love the fact that they don't, because you're trying to figure out, okay, this is kind of messed up shit and then you find out there's been more crazy stuff and then you find out about like, you know the hardcore stuff about uh, you know survivorship of what happened. I'm not gonna, I I want to I don't know if people have probably read it but I want to spoil it but a lot of these relationships are way deeper than you think they are and the rabbit hole is really deep for, for, this, for the, psycholo- the psychological aspects of that story. Mm-hmm. That's something that you know we take you know even when we talk about NT, people think of the cartoon, which is totally fine. In the movies back in the 90s but if you look at the original ones they weren't eating pizza <laughs> no no
0: there was no skateboarding and no,
1: no. exactly no. and people like what do you mean you were drinking beer i'm like yeah they were killing robots either just so you know <laughs> yeah no th- th- those were real life
0: organisms yeah <laughs> um it's uh, i i i this is why I do these once again, you know, it's, uh, the, the, I love getting into your guys's brains. I say your guys uh, when I say, you know, I, I mean, I mean creators, just knowing where, uh, what, what, what's spawning these, 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 ideas and these stories and to, to, to circle back to the, the psychology uh, of the max and things like that. I mean, that's kind of just a trigger word with me immediately. If you want to have my attention, just say the max and I'm, I'm, tunnel vision. I mean, that, that, that's my focus right there. So you definitely have my, uh, my interest for sure. Um, so uh, now, uh, are you guys co-writing this? Or Josh, are you drawing this? How's the, uh, the workload going on this?
1: We're co-writing. No, we're
2: co-writers uh, on this. Nice. Yeah. Our artist, artist is, is, is... A, a very talented fellow named Robin Simon Ng, who uh, Howard tracked down.
0: No, the 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 art is incredible for sure. It is what I want this art to be for this type of story. I mean, the uh, uh, y- y- you nailed it. It's it's got the. I mean, even <laughs> as far as the cover goes, it's it's got the 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 old school type of, well. It says it right there, terror, you know, and I mean, it's, (laughs) that's exactly what I want out of this type of story. So visually, I mean, once again, you have me, when you guys sent me, I think it was you, Josh, that sent me the initial message and said, hey, this is the thing. Um, All I had to do was click on it and I I didn't read anything. I just saw the art and I was like, cool, that's it. And that's, that's usually the first thing, you know, I look at when I I get pitched a comic. It's like, how does this look? Um, you know, and then if it, if it, at least it looks visually striking, then, you know, I'll take the effort to go through and read it and see what it's about. Um, but if I can't even stand to look at it, then I'm not going to take the time to read it. Uh, so you, you, you nailed it with the artist. Uh, <laughs> uh, one more time, Robin, Simon, Ing. Oh,
1: yes. Killed it, man. He, Robin is a, well, I, I actually recruited him to do After the Cape 2, the, the second miniseries. And uh, yeah, it was the funny thing was, got him. I got him greenlit. Jumped through the, the fire Image, and I was like, he's gonna do it. He's from Singapore. He's a Singaporean, so there it was, was a time zone delay and stuff like that. But I'm like, it's okay. I mean, I worked with Marco Rudy, and Marco was was uh, was living in Brazil at that time. Originally from Mozambique. I'm like, we we did that. He's like, even Image was like, wait. Marco is from Mozambique. I'm like, yep, but he's living in Brazil. So the time zone is a little different. I have no idea what the time zones were. <laughs> so I'm like, you guys didn't even notice and the book is already out, so whatever. But then Robin said he couldn't do it because he had his first kid. So he dropped out and I had to find other artist. But I loved his art and I kept in touch with him and always said, I am going to work with you on something. And I actually met him in The Real. Uh, I was in Hong Kong at the time and he was in Hong Kong with his wife. So I met him and his wife. Wow. Had a nice, uh, I guess, afternoon tea break, which lasted for about three hours because mm-hmm. we kind of talked a lot. And um, I said, oh, I'm going to send you something one day. We'll see how it goes. And then we'll pitch it. And then hopefully things work out this time around. Just don't have children. Uh, <laughs> when we get green light.
0: <laughs> right. As a joke,
1: right? As a joke, right? So I sent him Damkir's children uh, the first uh, draft of it without telling him that it wasn't a superhero story because he thought it was going to be a superhero story okay and he realized it wasn't and then sort of didn't cut back to me for a week and i was mm. like oh crap maybe he didn't like this which is okay and that I every mean, artist wants to do horror right. and stuff like that horror's and tough to do it is and this is the best part he's not a horror fan <laughs> mm-hmm. i like, i mean Yes, I'm, I'm. I mean, I was born and raised in North America, and I watched the same, you know, films that you're not supposed to watch as a kid, especially in, on a, you know, during the summer you rent them from Blockbusters or the, for the video machine. If people don't want a video machine, is, it's one of the best things when you were a kid if you could steal it. that's well, just steal by borrowing a credit card from an adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you watched everything, like watch everything before your parents come, you know, come back from work at your friend's house or your own house, what have you. You know, that's how I watched Evil Dead and whatnot and so forth. Um, uh, but he didn't do that, and there's actually a lot of amazing Asian horror films, too. So I was, like, kind of surprised. Like, you don't watch horror? It's not my thing. I'm like, yeah, this is a horror comic. The thing you can do It's like, let me try out some ideas. But here's some. He already did these. He did character sketches without character descriptions. He just based it on what we wrote. Really? Script. And he, and they were, like, dead on. It's like, even Josh was like, did you send him anything besides? Was like, nope. Yeah, I know. So we're done the characters. <laughs> we're all Shit. finished the ca- so, I'm like, okay, well, you know, give it a shot. We're gonna send you like uh, references if we need to and whatnot. But he never he needed any references for the interiors, not one. He, he did these oh. totally based on what we wrote. He said had some comments here and there. There were some things that we had to get changed because in Singapore they drive on the other side of the road, so steering wheel had to be moved uh. kind of thing. Which is not, not it's not huge, right? But it's right. not like you know like you know he didn't think about because I understandably why he didn't think about it. So it wasn't anything big. And we came down to the covers. Oh, man. He was like, I have ideas for covers. And he sent a bunch. And I'm like, they're good. They're very good. It's not. It's just something that I want, I want, I want to do that more than this. And I was talking to Josh. I'm like, why don't we do like the old school EC covers and stuff, like homages mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and films and whatnot. And remember, Robin's not a horror fan, so we ended up sending him like this mass email of like references. Yeah, yeah you can't do an image.
0: homage cover to something you're not familiar with.
1: So we thought, I'm like, we'll give it a shot. If you can't do it, then we'll figure something out. But I want to try it and give it a go. So we gave all this like this crazy amount of uh, references to Robin. And he's like, stop. <laughs> he wants to stop sending him stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he, honestly, he drew a bunch. Um, I mean, he calls them rubs, but his rubs are pretty much done, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And they all turned out beautifully. Like, the first issue uh, cover, he did it in one go. It wasn't, like, a redone. He didn't have to fix anything. It was, like, literally every cover you see from issue one to five, we didn't change anything. Wow. We would literally just said, can you change the, you know, because, you know, how we're doing, like, the old school covers. We might change, like, okay, using the same color, the same block color in the back, just change that. And that's it. It wasn't art change. So he did everything in one shot. And he got it. He, he, he For some reason, he sort of got in tune with what we were sending him he did it all in one shot so it was absolutely insane so right now we have issues one to three out there because it's in previously look at the covers it's crazy that this is done by a guy who you know wasn't a big giant horror fan who figured it out possibly because we kept on talking about it and sending him stuff to death uh, <laughs> <laughs> and whatnot but he, he did it and i was like really shocked and surprised beautifully surprised and you know the guys at source point press were like freaking out about it we had it she had they vote on which covers are going to be, the you know, for the five issues because he did more than five. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it's sad because it was like if we had more issues, we could use them all. But we have these leftover covers. Well, that, there's you know, there's
0: I, always second printings, right? I mean, we've that's there's there's always that. We sell the book out, we get another cover. So there's there's incentive for listeners right now. Sell out the book, and then maybe we'll get some more.
2: Definitely. Whenever definitely. we get Comic Cons back, we can have con exclusives.
0: Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I'd, uh, God. Yeah. I, God. Uh, I, I wish. I can't
1: wait. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's uh, another talking point about the convention <laughs> circuit and stuff like that. <laughs> that, yeah, that we're missing out right now Cause we just talked about it you know, recently, me and Josh, about you know, how, what conventions we've missed this year, uh, now, from twenty twenty and stuff. And that's like what we would have done for this year when a book launches. Like, issue one launches like in uh, what's it, January twenty seventh. Am I right, oh Josh? shit!
0: Yeah. So okay. Um, That's correct. Yeah. Right around yeah, the corner.
1: So, Damn. Nice. Yeah. So you know we would have like oh we would have been at this convention that convention, you know, selling it and doing signings, meeting people, getting because, for me at least, uh, and I think Josh is the same. that so writing it, getting it through a publisher, seeing it print, awesome, but talking to the fans and seeing their reactions, getting their questions like in the real is amazing it's like that's like you know you did something that connected with people right because yeah. you don't know but you're right now we're like in a void where like do people like people like this you know even in, after the issue comes out in the shops and stuff like that we don't know if people are gonna like oh you know like, like the scene, or like what we did here, what have you, We won't know. No, not so. until the
0: robot delivers the email machine numbers that say this is, you know, how much people liked it. You know, the the final numbers. There's no way of knowing, and you know, and getting on Twitter is dangerous. You know, you don't always want that. Uh, <laughs> want that type of feedback and acknowledgement. Cons really are the ultimate, you know, source for uh, comics to not just continue to live on, but grow and expand as well. These these cons. It's it's. It's, this is rough, man. It really is. It's 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 sad that it's been so long and um uh, I'm I'm here in Denver and we've already canceled 2021. Already canceled. Uh, this and this was oh, yeah. months ago. So this is
2: Yeah. This is rough, man. I'm um I mean, big, I'm willing to The big to convention there. the big convention in Toronto is still inexplicably sending out emails saying uh, tickets 40% off and I'm like oh my god guys like Toronto's one of the biggest cons in the world mm-hmm. and you really think like the the fifth or sixth biggest con in the world is going to be allowed to go in the summer like that they're going to say like yeah let's take 100,000 people and put them together mm-hmm. I wish but I think it's I still, I think 2021 we can start tiptoeing back towards normalcy and hopefully going into movie theaters in a limited capacity and going into restaurants in a limited capacity but like giant music fests and comic cons like sadly i don't think so yet and it, and it is sad because like it's a very um you know kodachrome sounding cliche moment but a few years back i had zomkies number three out and a mom with a very shy timid 12 year old nerd beside her came up and said oh my son really loves zomkies can you sign a book for him and it just you know made my grinch heart explode mm-hmm. because it's like like you, you you get so self-deprecating just that, okay, my friends bought the book and my mom bought the book, but this little kid was excited that we had the third right. issue on sale. And that that means he read the first one when he was like 10, and I love that, that <laughs> the mom is letting him read this kind of, you know, uh, you know PG-14 kind of comic mm-hmm. at the age of 10 or 12. But yeah, like Howard and I would have crossed paths this year at Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa Comic-Cons possibly others i would have gone out east to uh uh a friend of our a friend of mine nick bradshaw and uh danica bryan they uh, are comic artists uh and live in moncton which is kind of a small town but they have a really great comic-con there that's an old school comic-con that a lot of creators come to because nick has a lot of nerd cred now so he knows a lot of cool people so i miss that con for the first time in four or five years and that's like just a good Family con, where we my wife and I stay at nick's house and and we've made a lot of friends there, and I was looking forward to seeing some folks like Dan Parent from Archie Comics was going to come back and I've become friendly with him the last five, six years, and just all these like friends and acquaintances and and readers that we haven't seen, and if we're lucky, we'll see in twenty twenty two but yeah, it's been fun doing all these podcasts and stuff, but it'll be way more fun to be meeting in person. I'm gonna have a lot more people to hug two or three years from now because we've now become friendly acquaintances with, like, like two dozen different podcast hosts now, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, uh,
0: I I can't wait to see you guys out here in Denver when that when that day comes again. That's that's for damn sure. What I think they should do now is we should all compromise. Uh, let let the conventions go, but just for creators, just for the sake of the creator camaraderie. You know, you got there's still there's so many creators. Just get them all together, then creators can stand in each other's lines, shake each other's hands, so we can kind of fake it till you make it. But meanwhile, you guys still get the 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 relationships developed throughout the cons, and then, well, you know, I don't know. I just think that should be the compromise. I don't. I, I think if we continue to just not have cons um, at, at all, it's just gonna take away from the everything. I, I, I don't know. It's just the the whole the human brain is very um, dumb. So the the more we forget about it, or the more we don't have it, the, the the easier it is to be forgotten. So I think in the meantime, we should at least have something to talk about and just let you guys. Con it up. I, I'd be fine. I I'd just set up some cameras. Let us enjoy it that way. I don't know. Um, I, I I understand the value of these conventions though on so many levels, and having that that face to face acknowledgement. You know, a ten year old com- or a twelve year old coming up to you. I mean, that's that's you know, some would consider a life changing moment for a creator. You know, that could be the spark to keep you oh, going for sure. forever. I, this is ah
2: uh, man. It's it's well, sad even, like, that these aren't a thing. One of the best things I ever saw, just sitting, guarding... Because I've joked that now that I'm on the other side of the table, I can never go back. I can never stand in a line. I can never... And not for like pompous reasons, but just like I go to a con and I don't don't shop or I don't go to panels. I spend most of the time chatting with friends, guarding friends' tables, Mm -hmm. getting food for friends, friends getting food for me, hosting panels, just stuff like that. And then you blink and three days is gone. But one of the best things I ever saw, and despite... You know, any kind of negativity out there in comics and any horrible people out there in comics, which I hope is a a dwindling minority is I was just sitting there and uh, a young woman, maybe like 13, maybe 12, 14 was was you could tell she was super shy and she was in some anime costume that I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And another horribly shy young lady walked up to her and it was like right in front of me. And she said, oh, I, I really like your your costume. And the other girl said, oh, thanks so much. And they chatted for a minute and said, do you want to go for lunch? And the the first girl, just so excited, went, yeah. And you just almost burst into nerd tears Mm because you're like, I just witnessed two best friends happen at a Comic-Con. Two shy kids who, you know, you just speculate, are are bullied in school, aren't, you know, don't have an identity, don't have whatever. And they found a friend at a Comic-Con. And so... Anytime I hear about horrible stuff in comics, I always try to think about that, where it's like, yeah, a lot of good happens at uh, even these at these big, horrible, too expensive to get in faceless cons. Good mm-hmm. stuff happens in them. So they, it will definitely be a good thing when we get back to that, for sure. That's awesome.
0: That that, that That's a great story. You say burst into nerd tears and you know, I, <laughs> c- I, I, c- I could feel it, man. I, I really could. That's uh I I I'm, I'm I'm a big softie when it comes to that stuff because I know what comics did for me and how, how it changed my life and you know having having these conventions you know that, that that could have been the moment right then and there and 10 years we could be reading about a fucking comic that those two kids wrote together you know for I sure. mean you, yeah. you, you you never know this uh oh man um so uh the, the the book Damn Cursed Children coming out on the 27th correct correct um yes. now this book is going to come out monthly
1: Yes, it's going to come out monthly. It's a five-issue mini-series. Uh, so every month, starting from January 27th, it'll be in shops that who pre-ordered them for themselves and for their customers.
0: It's,
1: and I'm going to take a It's going to be upselling here, so spoiler alert for upselling. But yeah. do pre-order your books from any indie publisher, any 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 indie title, including Curse Children, preferably. Yeah. Uh, because if you don't... Most shops won't order them uh, for good reason because they don't know people want them. Um, and it's also, it does two things. Yes, it supports us and it gives us a, a good reason to cre- create more Damn Children books, hopefully. But it also helps the shops. A lot of people would talk about, oh, I love my comic book shop, and but I haven't been there for months and, or, or almost a year and all that stuff. And I get that. Then you hear or read up online that a lot of shops are closing down. The reason why is because no one's pre-ordering their books mm-hmm. for them to sell. Yep. Um, and the thing is, if you ask yourself, "Well, what am I going to do at home? I'm going to watch Netflix. The same it's the same show I watched, you know, twenty thousand times. You could do that, or you can get something new, mm-hmm. uh, pick up a, you know a new series. Try try to maybe two or three series. You never know. That's something that might connect with you. I mean, if you think about your own collection, you look at your old collection, you didn't. Buy them because you are forced to. You bought them on a you bought them to take a chance. Because you have no idea if that store is going to be good. You sort of like, well, it seems like everything looks good on it. I'm going to give it a shot. Do that and you know, pre-order your books and more so importantly, pick up your pre-order books or have <laughs> them shipped to you. Um, because if you want your comic book shops to be around after all this goes away, you need to support them. So same thing as restaurants. If you don't do your takeout and stuff like that from you know the local restaurants, they they, they can't survive. It's so almost next to impossible. So um, yeah, I have talked to a lot of shop owners and shop managers because some of them are have become close friends over the years. I've you know, been doing comic books and stuff, and I always ask them the honest question like, how are you guys doing? Not health wise because I already asked that first, but how you <laughs> how's the business doing? It's like oh we're you know we're surviving, but you know we need people to you know do more orders so that we can you know have some income coming in to pay the rent and what have you. So, you know, it's not just buy your book and enjoy it. It, You will, uh, hopefully, will enjoy our book and other people's, you know, works uh, and other titles and other publishers and also a bunch of titles from SourcePoint Press are great, too. Oh, yeah, SourcePoint
0: is – they're they're not bottom-of-the-barrel indie by any means, man. They put out, you know, sell-out books, Dead End Kids and – I mean, I, no heroin. I mean, I'm just naming Frank Gogol Comics, I guess. But uh, still, I mean, <laughs> SourcePoint puts out a- amazing material. So as soon as I saw that this had the, 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 the SourcePoint brand behind it, I knew right then and there it passed quality standards. That's for damn sure. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I love that you, uh, So my listeners could hear it from somebody else talk about the importance of pre-ordering books. This is something that I drill into the heads of my listeners every single podcast um it, it is the most important thing in comics to 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 to, to keep the, the the blood flowing i mean we we need people pre-ordering books so i'm glad yeah, that you yeah. brought it up yourself i don't just sound like a babbling lunatic three <laughs> oh, no. times a week
1: <laughs> no I'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you do because a lot of people don't realize that because they're so used to going to shop it's it's on the shelf mm. uh, well if you look at what's on the shelf it's usually from uh, what two to three you know specific companies mm-hmm. That that turn out books and stuff, and they have a you know they have shelving space. But for the really cool books like the Max and other things back in the day and what have you, like think of Mirage. Maybe Mirage. No one pre-ordering Mirage, <laughs> TMNT stuff. That's the only book they were pushing at that time. Yeah. So so there wouldn't be Ninja Turtles. Can you imagine that just for a moment that no, no one's going to pre-order. They're going to wait for the shop to order it in mm. hopes that you know that I might, I might buy it. That would not exist, so there would be no Ninja Turtles right now. So if that thought kind of spooks you out, that's the whole point. Why you need to pre-order books that you think you'll be excited about. Go for it. It doesn't have to be Gamker's Children*. It could be any book. I mean, I, I want this. I want the you know the industry to survive because I'm like I like I like it. <laughs> I like right. It too. So you know if you're a fan, definitely do that. You know you know look into it. I mean yes, previews is a giant tome comes out every month absolutely i know because when you tell people what page number you're on you're like how many pages is it what page is there right you don't have to do that that's the client kind book of shop manager and owner's job to go through that for you you can have a bunch of titles throw the you know shoot them the title through an email and they'll dig it out for you if you need an order code i'm pretty sure the publisher would be more than happy to tell you what the order code is if you need that too mm-hmm. so you know you don't have to and go oh, i have to look through previews and see which one i want no you know do the, do the old school thing ask your friend who likes the same kind of music you do some kind of books that you do it's like what are you reading what do you what did you, you find you know this month online that i might be you know into that's how we did it back in the day we didn't have the internet back in the day we literally asked each other what the heck are you reading yep. and then that's what you do and it, that's more where my that's how your collection exploded if you asked me if i didn't ask get response from people, my collection wouldn't be a collection because where do you go, right?
0: Yeah, yeah honestly, I could say that the, the the best recommendations that have ever been given to me have been within the walls of a comic book shop. That's, that's uh, to this day, I mean, even with the internet, my favorite finds have been someone, you know, they see me pull a book off the shelf, well, shit, you like this, you you should read this, and next thing you know, choose my favorite story I've ever read. I mean, it's just things like that. It, it, uh, the, uh, the the The... The comic book shop needs to stay alive is the point of it all. And uh, it, it all circles back around to, like, we've been pounding it and pre-ordering books. So, But you, you're being modest here. Uh, you don't need to uh, pre-order Damn Cursed Children. You, you, you should have already. You should have already. If you <laughs> listen to this podcast, I've already talked about it. I've already put out the, uh, you know, that was on the old FOC episode. So, yes, um, my, my listeners are aware. Uh, and if the if they're not, then shame on them because they they have been warned. Uh, this this book looks like fire. That's for damn sure. I can I can't wait to see the success of this book. I can't wait to see the uh, the con exclusive covers and the second print cover variants and all of that great shit. I just I I, I have. Nothing but faith in this title, and you two as creators as well. I mean, I could already see, just knowing your backstory and how you met, and then ten years later here we are, talking about this this uh, creation that you guys have come up with together. I have all of the faith in the world in the uh, Stafford Wong relationship and team. That's 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 for sure.
1: Uh, I appreciate those kind words, man. I do. I do. You um, know. I-
0: But but before I leave, before I I, I let you leave, I have to throw out rapid-fire questions. For the sake of there not being cons, I'm going to ask you some of the nerdy questions that you would be asked at the panels that you should be hosting this year. Um, So, uh, just off the top of your heads, they're kind of white bread, but at the same time, they've been known to stump someone here and there as well. Um... Uh, let's let's start with you, Josh. Uh, I I don't want to use the term hero. I want to use the term protagonist. Who's the best protagonist in all of comics? In all of comics? In all of comics? Wow. Who's 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 the best main character?
2: It's it might be a boring answer, but I I love Batman. Okay. And the reason I love Batman is a very Grant Morrison reason. I also love Grant Morrison, and he has said that. Batman works with anything. Mm. Batman works as a campy 1966 character. He works as a 1980s Dark Knight detective. He works as a 1990s Justice League super god. Um, He works as a Saturday morning cartoon or what might be next an R-rated movie. You can put that orphan turned vigilante into anywhere and strangely it works and it has for 75 years or 80 years 80 years now, man just keeps going yeah. just keeps going and and sometimes people roll their eyes and are like oh another batman movie oh another batman saturday morning cartoon and i'm like yeah because people keep watching them people keep buying them mm-hmm. and so like his batman injustice league is one of my favorite things ever and i love grant morrison's take on it but i also think unironically adam west batman is incredible yes so i i like that character that he keeps on being reinvented and recently or you know decade recently with the scott snyder greg capullo version Mm -hmm. is a very different version and there'll be another one in a couple years and so yeah it's it's you know I'm recommending the biggest comic character of all time, but that's somebody who I I never get tired of reading.
0: Well, you don't you don't get to play around for 80 years and be shitty for any of it. Um, so yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty. Solid answer, for sure. I'm never going to, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, whenever everybody, anytime anybody says, well, it's kind of a basic answer. No, there's a there's a good reason why that, that, that hero is the basic answer, because it's probably the right answer. Um, w- w- What about you, Howard? Who's the best protagonist in all the comics? Uh, it
1: sounds like a cop-out answer, but Spidey. Honestly, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man. And people always gravitate to oh he's basically it's funny he's still a teeth they keep him almost like a t- they almost keep him like as a college student mm-hmm. kind of age because that's where everybody wants him to be and all of that which is fine and i get that and there, obviously there's <laughs> stories that where he got older and not <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. thing but you know why i like spider-man it's not because of his powers or anything it's it's more of his story because and, and what why he's always cracking jokes as he's you know facing crazy ass villains and stuff uh you know trying to save people the fact is um one thing i don't know it's touched upon enough to be honest is the fact that um when he's cracking jokes is he trying to be funny or is he actually scared that he's going to screw up like he did the first time he could have stopped somebody from killing somebody who was related to him Mm mm-hmm if that's because for if you think about it that's always in the back of his mind every time he suits up that has to be in his back of his mind if i mess this up someone's going to die
0: mm-hmm.
1: so what's one way people deal with that is through humor so mm-hmm. if he, he makes crack jokes and stuff but i'm I, we can't see his face i'm assuming that possibly he's like freaking out maybe he's actually scared and he's cracking jokes to sound like he's not yeah, to the person he's facing up because if you sound if you sound and look scared in front of an the enemy, they're gonna take advantage
0: that's, for sure. That's a great take. I like that. I've never really put that in that perspective, but that that's a great take. And like I said, there's you say it's a cop out answer. It's if you're saying that, that's probably because it's a great answer. Uh, Batman and Spider-Man are. I mean, they're they're the staple heroes from each each you know a company for the most part. Batman's our DC, Spider Man's the obvious Marvel hero. So, and you know, f- for damn good reasons, they are great characters for sure. I gotta flip the coin the though. Who's the best shit? Up what what's that, Josh?
2: Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say they're the two most messed up psychologically characters. Oh yeah. And every five-year-old loves them. It's, I know. I, it's, we can talk about that for another five or six hours. Oh yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yep. the,
0: the irony behind all of that is astounding. Because um, <laughs> yeah, no, they are by far the most fucked in the head. And every every single kid has a goddamn Spider-Man T-shirt and Batman hat Ah, <laughs> uh, gotta love America. Um, so uh, who, who's the uh, who who's the best shithead in all the comics, Josh?
2: For best villain, oh yeah, I'm gonna go with Jack Kirby and uh, go Darkside because right. I I love you know who doesn't I love Jack Kirby but I love that Darkseid is this just this epic Shakespearean you know classic classic mythology character and just that whole world, but depending on who's writing it, like he's not he's not the 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 laughing maniacally crazy villain like he he's got his plan he thinks what he's doing is right he's doing what's right for his people his planet but he's clearly the bad guy and then that character archetype worked so well with thanos as well and i i i don't know if jim starlin would confess to this or not but i'm pretty sure that he's like influenced by jack kirby like everybody else was has but to be thanos is pretty much dark side right but so so those two characters um I, I think are really great villains and work well in their goofy superhero worlds.
0: I, I love it. Once I get another great answer, what about you, Howard?
1: See, now I'm not going to jump over to DC. <laughs> Finally, am <laughs> yeah. I to say, I say the Joker, and it's a big, it's a lot of uh, layers to the guy, yeah. and we've seen a lot of the layers in different stories. You know, from Arkham Asylum, and when, I mean, it's story arc after story arc. They, he gets, re- it's not really he gets reinvented. Say, I, mean, I know he is, uh, you know, as of late, obviously, too. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, people think he's just a crazy lunatic, and that's why he's a great character. I'm like, nah, it's a possibility if you think about it, he's not, he's just so 100% aware of everything to the point where he just drove him to where he is. What well, we think he's crazy because, as he mentioned before, maybe you know, I'm not the crazy one, you know, you guys are that you know, so, so forth because he never saw himself as. Uh, you know, I must kill Batman because he's my greatest. he sees Batman as almost like a, you know, someone who would understand him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is really frightening. If you think about why would he think that? Because he knows Batman better than Batman knows himself per se. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, think about it. He knows how to push his buttons. And so I'm, I'm, I'm using a generic version of it because there's so many, you know, right. versions of him. The thing is, he's able to connect the dots where he's like, you're like me. Uh, Why? Because it's not physical, it's not powers, it's not, you know, the goals, it's just that level of awareness to the point where the world is like this, this is what's being done, what can a person do in a world like this, and that's why he does what he does. necessarily because think of it he's not he doesn't always like i'm gonna go steal something because i need the money mm-hmm. he could he could have, he's not that kind of criminal is he he's not he's not also not the criminal. is like i want to change the world zion so must you know take it over and then reinvent it and make it better he's not that criminal he's not that villain he's the villain he's making like he's a villain who points at things like look at the world the state of the world look at this crap
0: yep he's always he's trying to prove a point
1: yeah so he's not there to to do something for himself, he's trying to make people aware, just as aware as he is. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at it from that perspective, uh, it gets really scary because he's literally like, "Look at the fire! Can't you see the smoke? Can't you smell it? Can't you feel the heat?" No? Well, here I'm going to throw you into it so you can see it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and that's, but it's scary because are we like so numb that we don't see what he sees, or are you afraid to accept what he's, you know, he's pointing out, right? Right. That's what makes him it makes him a great villain. So is Batman trying to stop him because he's evil or is he stopping him because he's he knows what, what the Joker's actually pointing at and he doesn't want to face it, possibly? Uh-
0: Another so. great view, a great perspective of that character, man. I, I never, I never get tired of people saying the Joker to that answer because it really is. Everybody has their own take on the Joker, and they view just like with the heroes. Everybody views these heroes differently, and that's that's why I ask these questions. It's not to, you know, kill space. <laughs> yeah, we've got plenty to talk about, believe me. I, I, it lets me and the listeners know what how. Just what angle you're looking at things as a as a another fan and creator in itself. So I, I, it gives me stuff to look forward to when I go through and I read these your future stories years and years from now. I can go ah, I remember when he told me about this and he respects this about this specific character, I could see that here. So that, that that's why I ask these uh, I, like I said white bread type of questions. Um, You guys are writing a horror book, and this is very, very difficult to do. I say it a million times, uh, horror to me is usually uh, audio-driven. You guys don't have that luxury as comic book creators, um, you have to approach things differently. So um, your artist is not influenced by any type of horror at all. So <laughs> you're, uh, um, you as creators it really rely I, I, I have to ask, you know, I, I wish I could spend all day talking about your influences in horror themselves. We didn't really touch on it. But uh, let's, let, let's just touch on it a little bit here. Um, uh, let's stick in the realm of horror comics though um what's what's your favorite horror comic out there josh
2: of all time or of, currently of all, of all time. time so i really love the 1970s oversized black and white marvel horror comics yeah of various titles and which is so insane that robin who is the most non-nerd comic artist I've ever crossed with like I don't like it's, he doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. But his stuff I think if if you looked at it not knowing, not looking at the pages that might have cell phones or a flat screen TV on it, you might think this art is from 1973 from a wow. From like a vampire or a Dracula or a, 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 a Werewolf by Night comic or something like that. See, and
0: I, I get that too. And that's where I think that you guys are really going to shine is because you guys are going to be able to pull in old readers. I hear it all too often from uh, the, the older generation saying, oh, I miss it when it was like this. I just want to see some art like this again. And it's right here. Like I I have a book I can recommend to these people and say this this is what you're looking for, uh, so I I love that and to think that it's not influenced on something so influential or by something so influential it blows my mind. It just says this this Robin dude's a
2: fucking natural man. He's he's born oh, yeah, to do this. Yeah. And like Absolutely. if I'm if I'm recommending a book book a book that I haven't gotten all the way through yet but I think is great um, and holds up. Is Tomb of Dracula mm-hmm. by Marv Wolfman and Gene Collin. And people talk about, oh, Marvel's run out of gonna run out of characters to make movies of. And I'm like, a Tomb of Dracula movie would be so cool because it's about a team of vampire hunters going after this charismatic modern day Dracula mm-hmm. where he's the central character and they're these these this awesome band of Indiana Jones kind of bounty hunters going after him. And especially that they're, they're doing blade coming up. I'm like, Mm. Oh my God. So tomb of Dracula, which is easily available in kind of collections and trades Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. that, That's, that's a really good classic Marvel horror book uh, from, from the seventies.
0: That, that, that's a great recommendation. And I love what they're actually doing with Dracula right now. They kind of put him on the back burner a little bit because they did the whole uh, Ten of Swords event. But within um, X-Force and Wolverine, they were bringing Dracula in. work And like Omega Red was working for him and everything. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to see more Dracula again here very, very soon. We saw him in an Avengers run not too long ago. So, um, I... I I, I, I think that seeing more Dracula could actually bring people back to wanting to see what the hell Tomb of Dracula was all about. So I, I I like that Marvel is trying to reignite these uh, old sparks with these classic underrated stories. Um, yeah. Well, w- what about you, Howard? What's your favorite horror
1: comic of all time? Oh, that's such a tough question.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I, it is. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna because of the concept. I'm gonna say Thirty Days of the Night. Okay. From um, Steve Niles. And it's because cra- where he got the idea from is just absolutely s- amazing. Because if you don't know the story, I'm not going to spoil it. And it's also a film, but definitely read the miniseries first. Um, it's way better, unfortunately. <laughs> but the movie's really good. The movie's really good. Um, the fact is he saw the an article in the newspaper. I think it was a headline about how it becomes night for like, 30, you know, 30 days in 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 Barrow Alaska and, and then the first thing that jumped in his head, vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just he started, right, you know, started you know, started scripting the story out. But the, the concept became this like thing that was just 30 days a night, which is you know, like at first you, lot, you think, oh it's gonna, it's gonna be vampires, you know, basically killing everybody in Alaska, and then no one could stop them, and then you know what, what yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then he twists it with, I'm not going to spoil it, the the big twist uh, in the characters of what they did. I was like, holy crap, what the hell? And then, uh, you know, the first arc was like, when he ends it there, they are like, whoa, okay, I did not see that coming. Mm. And that's really crazy because it's like, usually it goes one way. Like, you know, the heroes win, blah, 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 end of story. It's like, the heroes won and didn't win Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of that one. And I mean, I mean, it was, it's one of those things that uh, I read uh, because of, based on that, passed it off to my wife. I'm like, you got to read this, and she read. Right. It's like this is really cool. I'm like, I know this is this is like you know for a, for a horror book, this is like it's really like not your typical horror like right. path. You know your storyline. Um, it's also, you know, I was lucky enough. I was sitting at a con near Steve where I never asked him a three days a question because I had so many, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I just talked to him, and he's like the nicest guy on earth. And the way he interacts with his fans, it's yeah. crazy how nice he is. And I was like, I remember, I don't know if he remembers it, but I actually said to him, "You know what? I imagine you to be this like very like dark evil dude who came up with all these crazy wacky ideas, but you're like 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 you're like Mister Rogers. What's going on? Here? <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, you're expecting so...
0: Brian Polito, but you're 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 getting yeah, Mister Mister yeah. Rogers. Mister Rogers, great.
1: right?" And he's like yeah you know that's you know like basically talked about it and then you know like i'm like and i'm like okay i'm gonna tell you this i know you heard this a million times i read 30 days a night it's a, a wonderful story never expected the the twist that you put in it and i got my wife to read it i like the movie like the comic book a lot more that's you know that's as far as i'll leave my nerding out to you at this point because we have like three more days <laughs> where i can <laughs> see and talk to you which is kind of weird so, but you know, he was the nicest guy, and we talked a lot about stuff. So, I was a fan before that, and I was a bigger fan knowing more about him as yeah. a person. And I was like, God, you like very like low key and very like real and shit. And you know, it's he's like he's, like, he's never like when like, you ever meet him, people who met him or talked to me, they know that he's not like the I'm Steve Miles. And, no, he's never <laughs> been close to being like that. So it's like Jesus, but his ideas are like you know, like crazy out there. But no, I liked it because of the concept and the twist that they did. Because it made me wanted more. And then obviously did the second. You know, it was like follow up stories with Thirty Days at Night, and it got like really like deep. So I I like it for that. So definitely different than most horror stories that people just want to straight up. You know, I know by the, like by the numbers horror story, it's not. So mm-hmm. it, it's not for everybody. Like you know, a lot of things. So but it, for me, that was the one where I was like. The concept's really cool. I wonder if he'll deliver it when you're reading. Like, oh he delivered it and then some. Okay. And that's why it's still it's still my head now, right? And the cover and the art was amazing too. The covers were absolutely bonkers. Yeah. When it came up from IDW it's like you see on the shelf, it's like, you know, superhero, superhero vampire book. It's like,
0: oh mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> even like that alone it's like, wow, that's just it's in your face and it's great. Uh-huh. So
0: that's not the first time that book's been recommended as a top horror book either on this show. You're 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 in a very large boat of people that recommend that book. So it's, it's it speaks volumes for the I mean it being a horror book because horror it really is. It's a home run or a strikeout. There's not a lot of just meh when it comes to horror. Um, it's it's so difficult to do and. I think this. Uh, I'm. I'm fairly certain that this damn cursed children here. This. This one's. This one's going over the fence, man. I think you guys really got something here. I'm so grateful for you guys both to take the time uh, to come on the show and talk all about it. This has been an absolute joy for me, and uh, I, I. I. I can't wait for this book to show up in my poll box in a couple of weeks. This is. This is fun. This is fun stuff, man. Thank you. Thanks, both. Brian.
1: Great. Thank you for having us, man. It was a really enjoyable time.
0: Good. Good. Well, uh let me know you guys have the next big thing coming out. I mean, this is this is there's always a, an open microphone for you guys here for sure. This uh, I'm I'm excited for you. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, after almost 90 minutes now, I'm still just Pumping with enthusiasm for you guys. I I can't wait to see this book in my hands. So in the meantime, you guys stay safe. Uh, well, do you, social media. Do you guys have any social media tags you want to throw out there where people can find you?
1: Oh, absolutely. You can find me on my blog at Howard-Wong.blogspot.com. Instagram is at the real Howard Wong. Twitter is Howard Wong and the number one. Gotcha. And for Josh,
2: I'm on Instagram Bat Turtle underscore Mayfair because Bat Turtle got taken before I got to it. And then <laughs> I don't really have a Twitter account, but I'm on there kind of undercover because I do the social media for Mayfair Theater. So it's at Mayfair Theater, so I'm sneakily on there. And then I do a weekly podcast for the cinema, uh the Mayfair Theatre podcast. And you can find that at all your podcast places. And like a lot of podcasts, we talk about whatever nerdy things and then often in the last five or ten minutes go, Oh, and this is what we're screening this week. So (laughs) even if you're not in town, it's still just a a good little cinema nerd podcast that's on once a week. So you can find me there too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once
0: again, Howard Wong, Josh Stafford. uh, It's it's been my pleasure and uh, we we will be in touch. I I urge you guys to stay safe out there and uh, just don't stop creating. I'm loving this. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. You too. You stay safe as well, guys. Always. Cheers, man.
0: Well, there you have it, listeners. Uh, Another creator. As a matter of fact, more creators have been cornered. Another episode is in the books, and I hope you have enjoyed my little chat here with the, uh, the dynamic duo that is Howard Wong and Josh Stafford. Uh, I'm super stoked for Wednesday. I can't wait for this book to show up on my poll list. Love me a good old horror book. And maybe I am a little twisted when I say it out loud. And it's absolutely twisted mm-hmm. saying it out loud. But I have no problem watching motherfuckers beat the shit out of shitty little kids. Um, in, in comic book form. In comic book form. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't soundbite me. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I I had a lot of fun talking to these guys. You could probably sense it in my voice. And, um, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope you've been persuaded to check out Damn Cursed Children. Now, um, before I leave you, I have to remind you to do some stuff. Because there's a couple of you out there, apparently, that still aren't doing stuff. Um, I need you to leave reviews. Leave iTunes reviews, Apple Podcast reviews, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Leave those reviews. Leave them behind five stars, and then say whatever the hell you want. Tell me how you really feel, but do it behind five stars. You know, If you're going to take the time to leave me anything less than five stars, you can fuck right off. But um, anybody that does leave a five-star rating, just know. Just know that you madam or sir are the, uh, the 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 reason the next reason why this podcast is launching into um the next big thing and it's through leaving these reviews so there you go and uh, anywhere you can leave a review especially on podchaser and speaking of podchaser if you love podcasts beyond just um Comic books and stuff. Then I have the absolute best place and thing for you. That's PodChaser.com. If you don't know what it is, just go there and find out and fall in love. You'll just it'll it'll speak for itself. But there's coordinated lists the the public puts together. Well, I just so happen to put a, together a little list and group of my favorite independent podcasters and podcasts. Uh, and I called it hashtag the a pod ellipse. <laughs> see what I did there? And you'll see that hashtag all throughout Twitter. But on the Podchaser pod Ellipse list is my favorite group of independent podcasters of all types. I don't just listen to comic book stuff. Um, I listen to everything. I listen to true crime as well. I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, I listen to sports podcasts. I listen to horror. I listen to... Paranormal. I listen to everything, man. Um, so, and you could find all those types on hashtag apocalypse on Podchaser. So there you go. If you're feeling really, really, really froggy, I got some, uh, I got some new uh, creator corners that are uh, pre-released on Patreon. So yeah, if you want to listen to some stuff that's not going to be out for a little bit, then head on over to Patreon right now. Patreon.com slash Cheers to comics, and it doesn't matter what tier you join. A dollar, one dollar gets you access to all of that good stuff. So, there you go. Um, Thank you, as always, to Inked Marketing and NSCLiveTV.com, and you, all of my listeners for... Making it this far. Uh, I will talk to you again in the middle of the week about some books that just came out. Cheers, fucker. Wait, hold on, hold on. I didn't say the thing. Read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.